This episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Anthony and I both love these guys and are super proud to include them as a sponsor on the show this week. When Anthony and I visited all 30 ballparks, the SeatGeek app helped save us a ton of money and time. SeatGeek is basically a ticket aggregator that lists all the tickets on the secondary market and ranks them based on value. You can get views from the seats and you can compare prices. So like if someone is selling their ticket for 100 bucks in row five, you can see if someone from a different site is selling their seat for, I don't know, 90 bucks in row four. I can't tell you how many times I've ended up spending less money for a better seat because of this app. And the beauty is the price that you see on the app is the final price. So all the nonsense ticket fees that some of these, uh, I won't mention their names, but some of these sites like to tack on there before you check out. SeatGeek shows you the final price before you hit checkout. Uh, it's probably the most used app on my phone behind MLB at bat. I just, I really genuinely love these guys. I pretty much don't buy tickets from any other source these days. So. If you guys want to support the show, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code clubhouse, and SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first purchase. This is going to save you guys money and it's going to help keep this show free. So thank you SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. On to this week's episode. This week on the Clubhouse, our stadium series continues as we talk about Anthony's favorite ballpark in the country, Wrigley Field, home of his beloved Chicago Cubs. Anthony is currently touring the country with his hit Broadway musical, If Then. Go to ifthenthemusical.com slash tour to find out when he is coming to your town. Over the next several months, Anthony and I will be dedicating one episode to every team and we'll be discussing why we think you should visit each and every one of their home ballparks. We are also including episodes from my Rounding Third podcast, which features interviews with fans I met as I made my 17,000-mile drive across the country to attend a game at all 30 stadiums. There are also some truly amazing guests that we have lined up for our more regular episodes that we will be dropping every couple of weeks or so. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes for free so that you never miss one of our surprise guests. This episode was recorded in the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is a wonderful day for baseball. My name is Manish Jane, and sitting next to me, as always, is Mr. Anthony Rapp. I didn't take the same happy pills you seem to <laughs> We've been recording a lot of these in a row, so I'm getting a little punchy right now. But You let the cat out of the bag. You let the secret. The secret's out. We record I think these the, in batches. Yeah, well, I think for the stadium ones, I think it's, it's pretty obvious at this point. You know, well, you've been... It's not like I'm traveling across the country with if then recording these week to week it's it's we're having to that'd be a fun story though wouldn't it <laughs> hey look everybody manish is here. <laughs> oh i'm sure the cast would You're love like, that hi manish <laughs> he's always around mm. um <laughs> so yes today is a super special episode as we continue our stadium series breaking down every single ballpark in the land Ah, what ballpark are we discussing today, Mr. Rapp? I'll, I'll tell you this. It's located in the Midwest. This city has two teams. One of them 
Hasn't won the World Series in 107 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. But they have the best ballpark in baseball. Uh-oh. 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 100%. We're going to be arguing in a minute here. So here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, the Chicago Cubs and the infamous Wrigley Field. Mr. Rapp, your home ballpark. Go ahead. The most beautiful place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's really spectacular. Uh, and I know that I have love for the team, but I've seen all 30. Yes, you have. There's no place like it. There just isn't. I'm sorry. Okay. I can say I don't with authority. I don't. Okay. With authority. The Ivy. There's no place. There, No other ballpark has that beautiful ivy-covered yeah. wall. Philly has ivy. No, all across the outfield wall? No. 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 Center field. Not the same. The, the intimacy of the park. And I've walked all over that park. I, I sat I've, I sat in several different places this year. I got to go to, um, how many games did I get to go to? One, two, three, four games at, at Wrigley. And I sat in different seats every game. I sat really close. I sat a little farther away. But even the farther away, like Monica, our dear friend that we mentioned when we went to um, game one of the, of the season in 2015, we were like right there in great, great seats right by the dugout incredible cold it was very very cold we were bundled but then second time we were in essentially like i was sort of like i don't even know if it's not really upper deck really because it just sort of like keeps sloping up i mean you can enter it from upper stairwells but it's not the same kind of like it seems like in many ballparks you'd feel very far away further farther away than where we were and we were still right there and I just love that about it. Um, I love that it's in a neighborhood. I mean, Wrigley Field, Wrigleyville, I think if you're living in Wrigleyville, it probably gets really annoying pretty quickly with <laughs> a lot of drunk people running around. But just yeah. the fact that I was staying with friends who live maybe a mile away from the ballpark, but you know, Chicago is a good walking city. So walking to the ballpark, walking through neighborhoods to get to a neighborhood where the ballpark is, walking up into the stands, watching the game, and then walking home. It's a fantastic thing to get to do. I mean, if you live in other places, you could take the L train. That's the best way to go, right? Um, but it's there's a purity to it. And I know I've talked a lot about that. And yes, this year they put up the two video boards. And I was a little worried mm -hmm. if it was going to destroy the feeling, especially because it has the, the incredible landmarked green scoreboard in center field, mm -hmm. sort of right center field, that they were going to take away from that. And to my, I, I really, you know, I, yes, I go, I guess I could be accused of having, you know, being biased, but I think that they've done an incredible job of integrating the feel of those video boards into the feel of the old ballpark, mm -hmm. having something modern that also still doesn't betray the historic sense of the landmarked building that you're in, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, when, when you're, when the, the batter is at bat, and it's just the picture of the batter mm -hmm. with some, you know, stats. They never have anything on the video boards that's that they're not, none of the information on the video boards is ever the same information that's on the scoreboard. Right. The hand operated scoreboard in center field. 
Um, and there's a green background that's always there that's in keeping with the green scoreboard and keeping with the ivy. So there's nothing pulling from. It doesn't distract. And the graphics, when they do have graphics between batters, they're in this, in a kind of, you know, old-timey feel that feels modern but also, you know, in keeping with the historic nature of where we are. You know, there's nothing coming out. And even when they do sort of montage things, they're not like, crazy crazy graphics you know it's just it, it's it's a little more cinematic somehow mm -hmm. you know it's i just feel like they've done a really good job of trying to of of trying to not betray the nature of the experience of being a wrigley but you know it is nice to now be able to look up and see a replay of a great play yeah just like you do in all other ballparks sure you know um, they do have they have a little bit of the advertising on those boards between innings, and so far it hasn't gotten outrageous. I'm a little, I am you know I know that you talk about the the frog in the boiling pot of water. It's one of your favorite metaphors, and maybe that'll get crazier. We'll see. You know, I mean, my favorite ballpark of the modern ballparks, PNC in Pittsburgh, they have crazy they have crazy silly things that they do all the <laughs> sure, time on sure. their on their big video board, like ridiculous, like their animation of the pirate ship coming in before the game starts and <laughs> sure you know they have a lot of goofy stuff you know and I, you know i don't hate that for them but i don't think i would like to think that that's not that stuff isn't going to start happening so much at wrigley but we'll see okay um i you know i love that it's still organ music but there is walk-up music you know players have walk-up music yeah um so there's a, some of that is happening uh yeah, I mean, you know, the concourse, the the bathroom situation, I think, is still a problem, probably for people. It's not great, you know. Um, but I, if you're going for the experience of sitting in a stadium to watch a ball game, where everything that's happening is centered around the game, and everything draws your eye to that, I think that there's no place better. And I think that's beautiful, and lovely. I disagree a little bit. Um, I think, especially with your last statement, I think Dodger Stadium is infinitely better for just focusing on the baseball on the field. I think at Wrigley, there's two major problems that I have with Wrigley. I love Wrigley, first of all. I want to make that very, very clear. I think Wrigley is absolutely one of the better ballparks. Not even better, but it doesn't, it's, it's actually like for a place like Wrigley and Fenway, you have to take them even out of that conversation. It's not fair. They are yeah, two stadiums. They, they are two stadiums that everybody has to go to. Yes. there's not even a question. It's they are important. They are gorgeous. They are historic. They are special. I mean, the thing about Fenway versus Wrigley, Fenway is so odd. Like Fenway has so <laughs> sure, many sure, idiosyncrasies. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, but like I said, it's it's. But so here's so here's where I'm at with Wrigley. And obviously a lot of the stuff that we did that I did during the season when we were on our tour, I was, you know, busting your chops a little bit about about being a bit of a homer and whatnot. And I get that. But with Wrigley, and when I put on my baseball journalist hat and on my baseball fan hat, and I really say, all right, let me cut off all emotion from this and just look objectively and see if I was writing a book about this, what would I do? And the the negatives that I see with 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 Wrigley, twofold. One, the sight lines, because that happens in all these old ballparks. You know, whether it was Shea, whether it was Tiger Stadium, whether it was old Yankee Stadium, Fenway, Wrigley, you've got obstructed view seats, a lot of them, um, because of the big pillars and whatnot. Like, so, like when we were, uh, uh, Anthony and I, uh, 
one of the probably coolest moments of my life, we got to take my little niece, Annika, to her first ever baseball game, and it was at Wrigley. And I'm very, very happy that her first experiences was at Wrigley. But I spent so much time trying to figure out, oh, shoot, I can't get this ticket because one of the seats is obstructed. This ticket, because for getting five seats together, it was just, it was difficult to get that many in the seats that I like to sit in that weren't at least partially obstructed. Uh-huh. And so once again, that's that's just, but that's in talking about the ballpark. It's, it's, a, it's a facet of it being an old ballpark which has its pros and cons. Um, But so when you talk about it being pure baseball and on the field, you may be right. When you go there and you see the bullpens and you see the Ivy and you see the diamond and it's just gorgeous. But in a lot of my experiences at Wrigley, and I've been to Wrigley a lot growing up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I was either every weekend at Tiger Stadium or at Wrigley Field. That place attracts a certain type of fan that may not necessarily care what's happening in front of them. Hold on. How can you blame that on the stadium? It's about the atmosphere of the inside the stadium. Okay, well, that's a different thing than what I'm Right, 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 right. It's about, well, that's how, whenever we're talking about this, we're always talking about everything that encompasses going to visit a game. And I haven't haven't even addressed that issue, which I do do recognize as being So so we'll we'll get to that in a moment then. So I'll I'll, let you talk about it. There's the nature of the Cubs being so popular and there being a certain casual fan thing that can happen there for sure it's a social it's 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 become kind of a you go to wrigley to take a picture of yourself at wrigley yeah you go to wrigley to instagram yourself at wrigley and to tell your friends that you went to wrigley and because of back to the future or because of whatever other references that you can throw out there that wrigley has been in pop culture which once again the baseball fan in me says i don't care your money's the same as everyone i want everyone to come to a baseball game but it it does sometimes negatively affect my experience there when it's the eighth inning or ninth inning and people are playing with the beach ball or people are, you know, turned around and talking to one another. Now this year though. Yes. That, you, that's, that didn't happen, right? It happened. So I went to, a, I went to, I no, think. I mean the game we were. No, 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 no. The game yeah. we were at, absolutely not. Yeah. The game we were at was phenomenal. Yeah. Was, was, I think Arietta was on the mound then, no, right? Oh, it was, was it Hendricks? Hendricks. Hendricks, I'm sorry. It was a pitcher's duel. It Kyle was, Hendricks, Hendricks was on the mound. Matt Latos, who was still yes. at the time pitching for the Miami Marlins. Yeah. Oh, and it man. was, uh, the, the game wound up being a two to nothing. Yes. Game. Oh, almost, that was a fantastic almost game. Almost a Maddox. Almost yeah. A Maddox yeah. Where Kyle had, you know, like a complete game shutout, but like with, you know, very, very small number of pitches thrown yeah. relative to it. It was a gem of a game. No. And like I said, and look, and, and on the rounding third segment of this, this uh, podcast, you're going to hear an interview with uh, an old married couple who have been going to games at Wrigley since the 1940s. That's amazing. And that is something that I love about Wrigley is that I almost always meet someone like that who has been going for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. And, I mean, it's, it's the history in that ballpark is beautiful and, and, and amazing. And I love, um, I've been in the press box in that, in that ballpark a couple of times and it's way crazy high in the air and super small and super precarious and it feels old and feels rickety and it feels awesome. And I love that. You know, I don't like the video boards. I understand why they had to do it. You explained it very beautifully and you're right. But the old curmudgeonly side of me says, ah, but if you're going to have this old ballpark, there's 30 of these in the country. Can just yeah. one of them be? I mean, Fenway has it too. I know, yeah. but Fenway's had it since the 80s. Like, Fenway's had it for a while. I gave up on the Fen- on Fenway. They're, like I said, they've got plenty of gimmicks. Wrigley, I loved the fact that it was old. 
And it was, that's what I love about Tiger Stadium. It was why it broke my heart. Tiger Stadium was a pit. Tiger Stadium was beautiful and gorgeous. And I talked to old ball players actually. And believe it or not, Tiger Stadium gets brought up to me more by old timers as their favorite place mm-hmm. to play. Then, which I, I'm not just saying that. Like it's it's no, always surprising to me when I hear that because I'm like, well, I mean, I love Tiger Stadium, but why would you love it? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting emotional thinking about Tiger Stadium, but it, it's it. There was something about those old ballparks. There's just a feeling that you have when you walk through those turnstiles and you sit in the same butt print as someone from 100 years ago you just said butt print i know <laughs> well butt groove you know let's say oh, footprint butt but groove. the groove Even worse it's worse <laughs> oh in the seats God. in the wooden seats and whatnot um it's just it's it's really amazing and i do love wrigley i think wrigley is is without a shadow of a doubt one of the must-see ballparks uh in the country i just think that um Overall, like I said, it's tough because you and I, we, we never really went down and said, hey, let's rank all 30 yeah. because it's kind of impossible yeah. because the reasons why you love Wrigley might be different from the reason why someone else loves Wrigley and thinks that that, you know, that experience they have is they get that at PNC. Or at uh, um, PNC is beautiful. Oh, PNC is gorgeous. PNC is absolutely the way it's situated. We haven't. Well, yeah, no, well, that's 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 going to be. But yeah, it's the. Just the Ivy alone, though. I mean, it is. Ivy, like, well, what I love about the Ivy is how it's dead at the beginning, and then it yeah. comes up. No, it, it does. It 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 metaphorically showcases the baseball season as yes. you go on, and it's just it's it's no Wrigley is gorgeous, and it's always an impeccably manicured field. Sure, know, sure, sure. Like the, the yeah the the quality of the field that I've always been. I've never seen like patchy weirdness. And do they do concerts there? I don't know if they, they do have concerts. done concerts. Yeah, I mean, you know. We didn't mention this in, the, in our Safeco episode, but when I was there at Safeco in Seattle, it was I think the day after they had done their first ever concert at Safeco. And I was like, no, why did you do that? And then they're making the money so they I can know. pay their ballplayers their $350 million contracts. <laughs> I know, but just I just I just want baseball on those fields. Stop tearing up my beautiful ballpark. But uh, so yeah, Wrigley. I mean, you don't need us to say it. I mean, if you're a baseball fan in any capacity, you know you have to visit Wrigley. Like that's and I've, just. I've been. I've seen some. I've also been able to see some pretty spectacular moments at Wrigley. Like, yeah, I've been lucky enough to be there for some wonderful little situations like that. I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast when opening day a few years ago. Well, it was a number of years ago now. Kosuke Fukudome's debut. The the Cubs were losing three to nothing in the ninth inning and he's at the plate with two men on and the whole stadium <laughs> is chanting his name. He's already gone two for two or three for three with a walk or whatever it was at that point. And he hits a three run game tying home run with everyone chanting his name at Wrigley. The, the Cubs went on to lose the game, but um, <laughs> it's all right. Gave you that moment. It's all you need. It was uh, what a moment that was. Um, and my last game of the season this this past year, 2015, or the last game of, at Wrigley, I should say, that I was able to attend was another pitcher's duel, which I, you know, we've talked about before. I love pitcher's duels. I love really well-played, tightly contested, beautifully fielded, you know, pitcher's duels. I just, yeah. one of my favorite things in the world. And it was um, a one nothing game for a while. Kerry, uh, not Kerry, I said Kerry Wood. Oh. I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> no, um, sorry, John Lester. 
was pitching against um, uh, the, the Corey Kluber for, from the Indians. So it was a really, really great tight game. So one nothing in late innings. Uh, there was the, finally the the Indians tied it up. So it was one one, and then it went into uh, the bottom of the ninth, and Chris Bryant hit a game winning walk off home run. So my last game at Wrigley Field this year was my first ever walk off home run victory that I'd witnessed at Wrigley Field. Did we not have a walk off home run? Not that I witnessed at Wrigley Field. Oh, at Wrigley Field. I'm yeah, sorry, Wrigley. Yeah, because we have home, okay. home oh, oh, walk off victory. That's pretty special. And I got to. That's pretty it special. Was, well, you know fantastic. what, Mr. Rap. So I normally end. You know, we normally end uh, our episodes asking that very special question, and I feel like this is probably the best time for me to ask you this question, uh, as as we are talking about the Cubs. While that was a very beautiful story, and that may be the 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 answer to the question, I don't know. You know how we you know end these podcasts. What is your? Do you know your quintessential baseball moment that that you can say pinpoint? This is why I'm a baseball fan. This is the, this is the memory. This is why I love this game. This is why I think you all need to love this game. I don't know what it is. I mean, I have um, I I I love the the that celebratory thing. Like even when it's not the Cubs. Like I remember being in L.A. years ago in 2002, um, visiting my friend David. And staying in his house and watching the the World Series on TV it was the Angels Giants and watching Game Seven and not having any stake in it at all. Sure. I don't care who won, but just being caught up in the the contest of it and the joy of the Angels winning. You know, and and last year when the Royals this past year when the Royals won, you know, always witnessing that explosive joy. That's something that it's always drawn me to anything. I remember. I think it's what drew me to performing in the first place. I have a memory of being like a tiny child and seeing a tap dancer on TV. I think I was like two or three. And something about that just expression of joy, of of infectious energy coming off of this person drew me to it. I think that's that's part of it. And then just going to going to so many different games and and seeing the the rhythm, you know, all the things we talk about, the rhythm of it, the the magic of a ball this the you know the size of your fist gliding through the air majestically you know sometimes it'll find a glove or sometimes it'll find the seats but that'll never that will never ever get old um i think it's beautiful and i and i love that you can always see you know we've talked about this before too i think that you can always see everything that's happening at all times absolutely um so yeah it's not it's you know it's not like any one super moment like sure. capital s moment it's, sure it's a collection of all those things i think no it's beautiful that's why we're all baseball fans i think that's that's very nicely said mr rap thank you well so uh yeah so we're gonna leave you uh with the rounding third uh section of this podcast where yeah you're gonna listen to that this this married couple is awesome and they and they tell us tell me all about the changes that wrigley's gone through over the last you know 60 70 years here and just their relationship to the cubs and it's it's truly a beautiful beautiful little conversation that i have with them so thank you mr rap for for sharing your your memories of of your home ballpark with us you're welcome thank you thank you guys for listening we will see you next time here in the clubhouse We're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. 
Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion. So please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse Podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with Emmy Award-winning actor John Hamm. In this clip, John explains how much of a baseball nerd he is by recounting a day where he listened to the radio broadcast of a 30-year-old ball game. I listened to almost the whole game. Like I started <laughs> listening to it and I was like, I kind of got into it and I was like, oh my God, like this is crazy. But you listen to it and there is, it's such a different rhythm. Like it is so much less wall to wall sound. Yeah. Other than the sound of the game, yeah. you know, of the crowd and of the things like that's kind of ambient. It's not foxed out. It's just very, it's very pleasant. And you could understand why like that was a lovely thing to do. Like it's relaxing, it's fun. And this is a very exciting game. And it, by the end of it, it, it ramps up, but it has its this, this really cool, it's it's an interesting thing to do, I think, if, you, if you've got a spare three hours and you want to <laughs> listen to some old baseball. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jain. Today's episode, the Chicago Cubs and Wrigley Field. I'm not even sure where to begin. Um, this is Wrigley Field the second oldest ballpark in the country, an American institution. This is, whether you're a baseball fan or not, everybody knows and loves Wrigley. Whether it's the rooftop bleachers that they have installed or it's Wrigleyville outside the stadium, you know, that's just chock full of amazing bars and restaurants. There is no stadium out there that attracts more non-baseball fans than Wrigley. As soon as you step off the train, you just see hundreds of people who have clearly never been to a baseball game in their life, have very little interest in the game of baseball at all, yet they're somehow drawn to this stadium. They somehow need to come see a game at this stadium. I met a couple outside who were posing for uh, you know, a picture in front of the facade of Wrigley, and it was actually just a couple of young girls. And they had accents. Um, so I asked them, you know, where are they from? And they said, Australia. And I said, oh, wow, Australia. That's, that's a pretty far away, you know, uh, place to travel from for a baseball game. Are you guys excited that the season's going to be starting in your home country next year? The Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are going to open up the season in your backyard. Blank faces. <laughs> they had zero idea <laughs> what I was talking about. Which, by the way, I should have mentioned, they were decked out in Cubs gears, by the way. They were, I mean, hats, shirts, everything on them. They were wearing something Cubbies. So I think it's safe to assume that they were baseball fans. <laughs> I could not have been more wrong. I mean, they, their faces just went blank. And, and uh, <laughs> they, they had no idea that the season was starting in Australia next year. In fact, they had really never been baseball fans to begin with. But they were in Chicago. And they knew about the Cubs, and they knew about Wrigley Field. They'd seen movies. They'd seen TV shows. A lot of their favorite celebrities liked the Cubs. For whatever reason, the Cubs felt like home to them. And they said, you know, when we came here, we made it a specific trip to make sure that we came to Wrigley Field. And we bought all of the great merchandise, and we're going to go see a game today, and we couldn't be more excited. 
And I met a lot of people that actually had similar experiences, maybe who didn't travel nearly as far, but people who traveled certainly from all across the country just to see a game at Wrigley. And that is something very, very special about the stadium. Now, I do have a couple of problems with what happens when you fill the stands with, I'm not going to say primarily non-baseball fans, but with a high percentage of non-baseball fans. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I want to keep this on a more positive note for the time being. And the first thing that I'm going to say about this amazing, beautiful, historic stadium is thank you so much for continuing the tradition of not only playing live organ music, because there are a handful of stadiums that do have an organ that plays during in-between innings or seventh inning stretch or at odd intervals, but pretty much the only music that I heard all nine innings was coming from the organ. And that included, you know, variations and adaptations of whatever popular culture music is today. Um, I apologize, but um, my music knowledge is is very terrible post like 1998, 1999. Um, So whoever the big pop stars are of today, I heard all their music through the beautiful organ. And, um, you know, organ just makes anything better. I could listen to, you know, whatever it may be. Britney Spears or Katy Perry or, or, uh, uh, wow. I honest to God. Um, Oh, Rihanna. She's someone who I know. I can hear one of those songs. And, and if it was just a song on radio, it would be like white noise to me, but you play it on an organ and you're going to see me bopping my head and tapping my toes. Like I was a preteen girl. I don't know if preteen girls tap their toes. I'm very out of touch. I apologize. So let me get back to talking about what I do know about, which is this uh, this stadium. Man, this episode has gotten off the rails. So, back to Wrigley. When you walk inside of the stadium, you cannot help yourself but just get transported to another era. The, the smells and the sounds and the sights of a baseball stadium are relatively similar, you know, at, at every stadium you go to. You're going to hear the vendors hooting and hollering. You're going to smell the peanuts or the hot dogs or the beer. You're going to be able to feel the breeze on your face. You're going to be able to smell the grass unless you're in Tampa or Toronto. You know, there, there are certain things that are very similar, but when you walk down the concourse in Chicago, it is just this, it honestly feels like you're stepping into a time machine and just going back a hundred years into the past. You know, much like Dodger Stadium, and while I haven't gone to Fenway Park as a part of this tour before, I will say that I have been to Fenway Park before um, years earlier. You know, when you when you walk into these three stadiums specifically, just because they are the three oldest, you do immediately realize that the modern amenities that we've all gotten so used to at the other ballparks, whether it's batting cages or climbing walls or fast pitches or, or you know, all the different kind of fun gimmicks that a lot of stadiums have installed, they just don't exist in in places like Wrigley. And you really don't even notice that they don't. It's one of the few places that proves that you don't need all the bells and whistles. All you need is the diamond and some stands, and you're going to pack those places every single day. Because this was just a a regular season game, and actually I discussed it with Rich uh, in, in the interview, but it was, um, you know, 
pretty much a meaningless game for the Cubs, which sadly, most of their games after the month of August, you know, these days are pretty much meaningless. But you know what? That's the beauty of it. Every single year, they're not playing meaningful baseball in July, August, September, yet they still find a way to pack those stands every single game. And there's pros and cons to that. And you know what? Before we go any further, I will. This is my one con. This is my one negative thing that I will say, and and then we will move on. The one problem with having, you know, a, a group of fans who don't necessarily like baseball or really have any interest in going to a baseball game for the baseball is that they tend to take away from the experience of the actual baseball fans. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not a baseball fan, let me explain. First of all, why are you listening to this if you're not a baseball fan? I mean, look, I appreciate it, but this has to be the most boring thing you've ever listened to if you don't at least somewhat like baseball. But for you, if you are listening, this is my problem. I haven't talked too much about ticket prices and kind of the rising cost of tickets to baseball games on this podcast, but I'm going to mention it right now just because it serves my greater point. I spent $80 on my ticket to Wrigley Field, and they were pretty decent seats. I was sitting behind home plate, not directly uh, behind home plate, but in, in a section right behind it. And the people that were sitting around me were very lovely for the most part, but there was a group of, of folks that were about six or seven people sitting in the row in front of me. And I'm telling you, I don't know if they even realized there was a baseball game going on in front of them. Because for the six innings that they were actually in their seats, um, I'm not sure where they went after the sixth inning. Maybe they changed seats. Maybe they went out to the bleachers. I'm not sure. Um, Maybe they did just go home. But regardless, for the six innings that they were sitting in front of me, their backs were pretty much to the field the entire time. They were chatting with each other, talking with each other on their phones, on their whatever it may be. And I was really fascinated by this. Because I'm going to go ahead and assume that between the six of them, you know, they, they spent you know, $500 plus on these tickets. And they had, I saw them have beers and food. And they had to have spent, once again, between the, the six of them, upwards of, of $700, bucks, 800 bucks. I don't know. I mean, they had to have spent quite a lot of money on parking, on food, on merchandise, on the tickets. And they honestly just didn't look like they cared at all. I'm not talking, all right, we're going to chat a little bit and then watch and then chat the way we all watch a game. They didn't even look at the field once. I don't fundamentally understand what your motivation would be to spend the type of money that it costs to go to a game these days and take those seats away from someone who genuinely would just have an absolute blast and make a lot of noise and be engaged with the people on the field and would truly appreciate those seats I don't understand why you would want to take that away from them because, you know, we have luxury boxes. To me, that's what luxury boxes are for. If you want to come and straight up socialize at a game or entertain clients or impress somebody, that's to me what luxury boxes are for. Those are crazily expensive places where you can eat, you can drink, you can watch anything you want on TV, but you still have the experience of quote unquote being at the ballpark. I myself personally don't really enjoy being in luxury boxes. I've done it a couple of times for for business, and you never get the full experience of the game. When you're up there, you kind of feel cut off from it all. 
But I understand why someone like the people sitting in front of me would have enjoyed something like that. So basically, I think what I'm just trying to say is for all you non-baseball fans out there, I love you. I, I appreciate you. Believe me, I, f- I fully comprehend that there's absolutely no way that we'll be able to fill 30, 40,000 plus seats in these stadiums 81 times a year with just baseball nuts. And you know what? The only way to make new baseball nuts is to bring non-baseball nuts to the games so we can actually show you how amazing and fun of a time it actually is, which a quick spoiler alert uh, for the next episode I go to a Chicago White Sox game and I actually do bring someone who was a non-baseball fan who had never been to a baseball game before had never seen a baseball game on TV before and I brought him to his first game and you're going to be able to hear his amazing reaction on the very next episode but that's just a little teaser for you let's get back to Wrigley what I want to do right now to watch the taste of me complaining about you wonderful people out there who bring beach balls to games and like to watch the game with your back to the field. I love you. Just help me out a little bit and and pay attention to like one at bat. Let's just start slow. One at bat and and we'll go from there. But enough. I really want to play this interview for you. I am really excited to play this interview for you. This is a man named Rich. This is a woman named Barbara. They were so much fun to talk to. I honestly could have just put the recorder on for four hours and just listened to him tell stories. But you're going to hear some great stuff about old school Wrigley, what has changed, what has stayed the same. And you know what? I'm not going to spoil anything more for it. I want you guys to listen to it yourself. So without any further ado, please enjoy my interview with Rich and his wife, Barbara. And I'll see you on the other side. So I'm sitting here at the friendly confines of Wrigley Field with Rich Waxman. Rich, it's a pleasure to meet you. So uh, basically, you were just telling that you've been a season ticket holder here for how long? Uh, almost 30 years. So. Almost 30 years. Right. And you've been sitting here in section uh, 222 behind home plate for oh, nearly 30 years. You got to tell me, I, mean, I got so many questions I want to ask you, but can you remember way back when your first ever actual game here at Wrigley Field? Uh, I think my first actual game was probably in the 40s uh, when I was uh, less than 10 years old. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember the actual first game. I do remember being at the sixth game of the 45 World Series. Oh my goodness. I mean, can you tell me so, just uh, some stories about that? The, the Cubs won, and uh, Claude Passaw was the winning pitcher. And um, I started following the Cubs in 1938 when I was five years old. Uh, but I listened to him on the radio. I remember listening to what was known as the Homer and the Gloman because they didn't have lights at that time. And so Gabby Hartnett hit a home run late in September that put the Cubs in the pennant in 19, win the pennant in 1938. And it was uh, probably about 6.30 at night. Uh, at those days, they, they started the Cub game at 3 o'clock rather than the 1 o'clock. And oftentimes, it was called because of darkness. But uh, yeah, Gabby Hartnett hit this home run, and, uh, and uh, the Cubs uh, won the pennant and got into the World Series. I do remember that. But I, like I say, my first game was probably in the 40s somewhere, early 40s. That is absolutely incredible. So now you've been going to games here essentially for over 60 years. I, I can't even imagine what that's like. I mean, so how much of this ballpark has changed 
as in your lifetime, you know, does it still feel the same now as it did 60 years ago? You know, not a lot of the ballpark has changed. Um, uh, they still, <laughs> they still have the same antiquated urinals. Uh, they, <laughs> no, I mean, the scoreboard is the same. Uh, what what has really changed are the bleachers in this in the over the apartment buildings across the street. Uh, that that's you know reasonably new. Uh, there used to be where that United sign, there used to be a Budweiser sign, uh, which was there for years and years. And, um, uh, of course, the new scoreboard uh, in, in right field, that's new. Yeah, it feels a little odd to see something digital in Wrigley Field, right. but it, it, right. it looks all right. But it does kind of feel a little bit out of place. I don't know if I ever want you guys to go to a digital scoreboard. Well, you know, they just got permission from the uh, city to uh, put up a, uh, you know, a video board for next year. It's going to go over in left center, and uh, but you're still going to keep the manual scoreboard. I hope, are you? I think so. I, you know, I, 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 I certainly hope so because that is really the tradition here. You know. No, absolutely. So. And the lights came in the in the late '80s, as I remember. I think it was 1988 around yeah, there. I think you're right. Yeah. So can you tell me? Do you remember your first night game here, at Wrigley? And, that was and it. I went to the first. So night you went game. to the first ever oh, night absolutely. game here. Yeah, absolutely. And it got rained out. <laughs> and uh, we were sitting in the rain, and the players came out and started sliding across the tarp. Uh, you know, they were acting really silly, and uh, and I think one of them got fined because uh, the manager thought he might hurt himself for doing that. And yeah, and then we came the next day, uh, which was the next night for that for the actual game that uh, was actually played that day. But my son and I have had tickets. Uh, uh, I started buying the tickets in the late '80s. All right, so. Um I just, sorry, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by this. I've been talking to people for the last couple months here, and you're the first one that I've talked to now that's been actively going to games for, for such a long time. So about how many games do you get to a year? Well, what, what we've done now is uh, uh, my son and I uh, buy the tickets, and then uh, we split them uh, with one of his partners. So my wife and I, who my wife is sitting next to you, uh, my wife and I uh, go to about uh, anywhere from 25 to 30 games a year. That is absolutely tremendous. So now, can you just tell me maybe one or two of just the most standout moments that you've had here at Wrigley Field, moments that, you know, you remember every once in a while that, that just you'll remember until the day you die? Well, uh, I, I certainly remember uh, the, uh, the sixth game of the uh, playoff series, which was known as the Bartman game. Oh, were you here for that? Here. Oh, my goodness. We were here, and there was a fella who sat behind me who uh, came from Boston, and uh, he rooted for the Red Sox in the American League, but the Cubs in the, in the National League. And of course, at that time, the, neither the Boston or the Cubs had been in a World Series for some time. And I turned around and I said to him, five more outs, five more outs, that's all we need. And then uh, the Bartman uh, incident happened. That is absolutely heartbreaking. I remember watching that game live and I was actually on my feet and I actually said similar the same thing, five more out, and I hit my knees when that thing happened. I just fell to my knees, and I walked off. I, mean, I walked out of the room. I could not. That broke my heart. I was rooting for you guys so hard that year with Pryor and Wood and Maddox. You guys had such a strong, strong squad. And, yeah, oh, that, that's... But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't so much the, the uh, incident. I mean... On the next play, Gonzalez uh, was the shortstop, and he muffed a double play. Oh, you know, no, no, it, that just, well, it wasn't no, that play, it look, it was a foul ball. Exactly, just changed the chemistry. Yeah, no, it, it sucked all the energy out of the ball. Pryor's shoulders just slumped, you know, you, you just changed, the whole field, I mean, the, the whole, 
everybody said, oh, you know, oh my God, not, not again, you know, not again. <laughs> exactly. Okay, but how about a little bit of a happier memory? <laughs> I know, not many of them. Fan. I mean, how much? You gotta have, you gotta have one happy memory. Uh, we saw. Um, I think I, I, I saw Ryan, when Ryan Sein, when Ryan Sandberg, I believe, uh, if, if I've got the game right, I think he hit four home runs. Uh, and and won an extra inning game, and I think it was against the Cardinals. Uh, uh, I think he hit the home run off of uh, Bruce Souter, as I remember. It was a very unusual happening. I know, I, I know that. That was a have. I was here for a 22 to 21 game with the Phillies, where Mike Schmidt hit four home runs. Uh, you know, we we we've seen some some pretty interesting interesting uh, games to be sure. Yeah. All right, that is absolutely wonderful. And I'm going to actually now talk to your wife here for one moment here because i got to hear something from her. So, so I'm standing here with? Barbara. With Barbara. And so you've also had season tickets here now for almost 30 years. And, kid, do you remember your first game here at Wrigley Field? Well, my first game was more than 30 years ago. It was when my husband and I were dating, and he took me to a Cub game. And I brought my knitting. <laughs> I see a lot of women bringing their knitting to the ballpark, but I see I see no knitting here with you today. No, no knitting. That was the first and last time. <laughs> awesome. So now you're a fan? Now I'm a fan. That is so wonderful. You know, one of the things that I've been trying to follow in my tour here is I want to find more women who, as you said, who come to the game and don't knit and don't read and actually enjoy the ball game. Nothing warms my heart more when I see a woman who genuinely enjoys the game. I've met mothers and daughters. I met uh, this actually in Texas. I met a grandmother, a mother, and a daughter that all came to games together. Nice. And it was just one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life. So. What is it about, and was it your husband that brought you into the game, or what, what is it about baseball that really made you into a fan? Well, it was my husband that brought me into the game, and he loves to be here. He loves to be at Wrigley. He's just relaxed and so engaged in the game, and he understands the game so well. So I love being with him, and I became a friend, a fan, just simply because it was so important to him. That is absolutely so, lovely. And he doesn't, you know, he could go with somebody who knows baseball better, who could have a better conversation with him about the game, but he wants to come with me. So after 52 years, I think that's pretty good. Oh, you're going to make me cry. That is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> that is absolutely beautiful. So, all right, can you tell me now, your husband was telling me some, some of his memories of coming here. Can you just tell me some of your individual memories of just experiencing a game at the ballpark and... and some happy times. I know it's hard for a Cubs fan, but some happy times here at the park. Well, I, it's always a happy time when the Cubs win. <laughs> that's a that's a great answer. That is an absolutely great answer. All right, thank you so much for talking to me. All right, that, I do remember. I do remember one broken bat. I do remember one game that uh, when you talk about happy moments, I saw a no hitter here. Uh, Don Cardwell. Uh, in 1960, May of 1960, uh, pitched a no-hitter. Uh, they had just gotten him from the Pirates, and uh, his, I think it was his first start as a Cub. Pitched a no-hitter against the Cardinals, and uh, Stan Musial played in that game. And I remember uh, Walt Morin was playing left field, and at the last out was kind of a humpback liner over the shortstop's head, and Morin, who was not known for his uh, fielding finesse, uh, came in and made a running dip glove catch of the save the no hitter uh, and the next week I had my first date with my wife 
and, uh, and so that that stands out in my mind. And then um, about 30 years later, uh, they had a Don Cardwell day, and I brought the scorecard with me and uh, gave it to the Cubs management, and they had him autograph the card for me, which I still have. Oh, that was very awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. Wow. That is... I'm very, very jealous of you. To be able to come out to this ballpark for that long, I am. that is something that... Wow. I mean, I, I have no words to that. That is absolutely incredible. All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. I just want to uh, ask you just one final question, basically. What is it do you think about Wrigley Field that makes it so, outside of the fact that it's been around forever, just what is it about Wrigley Field that you think should bring more people out here and, and people should make trips to Wrigley Field? Why? Well, just, just, just look at it. I mean, just t- turn around and look. I mean, you've got almost a standing room only crowd today. Uh, for a team that has absolutely no chance of winning, uh, not even finishing third in its division, uh, they come out. Uh, it's the atmosphere. Hold on one second. We got to, there you go. Base hit. Go, 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 run. All right, man. On second and third, the Cubs are rallying here. There we go. We got an early rally. And listen to this crowd. You're absolutely right. Listen to this crowd. Yeah. You know, it, it, and it has become a social thing. That, uh, you know, the, the kids out here, sometimes I wonder whether they, you know, the younger kids pay attention to the game or whether they're out here to meet and greet. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just a, it's just a great place to see a, a, a ball game. And, uh, you know, I'll be 80 years old this year, and uh, I hope in my lifetime I see a pennant. I think you're going to. I think you're going to. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you talking with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we're back. Did that not just melt your heart? They were two of the most lovely people I'd talked to on this tour so far. Absolutely spectacular. I had so much fun talking to Rich and Barbara. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in any other sport. 1938. Did you hear that? He's been a fan since 1938. That's before Jackie. It's before World War II. (laughs) I mean, that's just... It is amazing to me that, that the history that you can find in the stands, on the field, anywhere surrounding these ballparks is just something, something that you don't get in many other aspects of, of American living. You know, we're a young country. We don't have a lot of history. We don't have a lot of historical buildings, really. And, and even if we did have a lot of historical buildings, it's not like if you go to a church or, or a monument that was built 100 years ago that you're going to be able to get a chance to talk to someone, just a random stranger that's been going to the same monument for 60 plus years. You know, it's really quite incredible when you think about it. Places like Dodger Stadium and Wrigley and Fenway, these are our pieces of American history. And it connects you to generations that, that honestly, I don't know when in my life I would get to talk to a 70 plus year old man for as long as I did here at Wrigley Field and any other walk of life. I'm, I'm trying to think. There's nowhere really that I can go where that's socially acceptable. I mean, I guess I could go to to a retirement home and just chat with some folks, but that's not something that people do. That's not, you know, one, I think I'm convincing myself maybe I need to go do that <laughs> because it's just, it is really quite amazing to hear some of these stories. So I want to touch on some of the stuff that, that Rich and Barbara talked about, the, the first of which being how little Wrigley has changed and how much it's going to be changing in the coming years. 
So for those of you who maybe have not been to Wrigley uh, recently, or maybe have only seen it on TV, you know that there's a large manual scoreboard in straightaway center field, which is fantastic. Um, it's it's so old that there aren't enough spaces for all of the out-of-town scores, actually. Um, when you look at it, there's uh, I believe it's missing uh, three or four. If there's a full slate of games, at least three or four of them will not show up on the out-of-town scoreboard because... Back then, there weren't that many teams. They had no idea that there were going to be 30 teams someday. Now, some people might get annoyed by that. Some people might, you know, get up in arms and say, we need to have updates. They need to adapt to the time. Personally, you know, my out-of-town scoreboard these days is pretty much my cell phone. So I don't really need it. It's a nice added feature, but not. it's not enough to sacrifice that beautiful manual scoreboard. But as you heard in the interview, the city of Chicago did grant Wrigley permission to add a Jumbotron. And, you know, I'm going to sound like an old man here, but I I, I just think that's wrong. They're going to be covering up some of the um, rooftop bleacher seats, which, once again, for those of you who may not know, um, check out roundingthird.net. You can see some pictures of the seats. The apartment buildings that are across the street from Wrigley have built bleachers on top of their roofs and they sell tickets to the games so you're actually sitting outside of the stadium but you get a unbelievable view of inside Wrigley and they've got a deal with uh, um, with the Cubs and they share a percentage of the revenue from ticket sales but this new Jumbotron is going to completely obstruct the view of several of those apartment complexes and that is just that's sad because this was a really unique gimmick that that Wrigley had and I can just see this a little bit. Surely that's going to go away. You know, this is just step one. And, and eventually there will be no more rooftop seats. And honestly, there is, there's a video scoreboard at Wrigley already in right field. And it looks out of place. It's, it's, you know, look, if you want to update it, then tear it down and build a new stadium. But just inserting modern amenities, inserting a jumbotron inside Wrigley, it doesn't, it looks weird. It just looks anachronistic, and it looks, I don't know. Who knows, though? I mean, there are smarter people than me than, that, that know what they're doing, and so maybe I'll just wait and see, and maybe it's going to be something beautiful, and, and I just need to get with the times and adapt and change with everybody else. But, you know, this is the, the I believe, 22nd stadium that I've done uh, on this tour, and as I mentioned earlier, I've never seen a stadium that has more non-baseball fans coming out. And believe me, it's not because, you know, you guys added a Jumbotron or, or a video scoreboard. They're not coming for the modern amenities. They're coming because it's Wrigley Field. They're coming because it's history. They're coming because, I don't know, you guys have a legacy and, and you're messing with that legacy. Is adding a Jumbotron going to win your World Series? I doubt it. But the more you change that stadium the less likely it is that someone from Australia is going to hear so much about the famed Wrigley Field and have to come and visit it. And then all you're going to have to rely on is how your team's doing on the field. And <laughs> no disrespect to the Cubs front office. I'm a huge fan of Theo Epstein. I do believe that he is he's trying to put the best nine guys on the field every single day. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like the more you got that stadium and the more you try to update it and kind of, you know, force 
these these modern amenities in there, you're just kind of not you're not pleasing anybody. You know, it it's it's a what's that old phrase? It's a the camel. It's a horse built by committee. Some such nonsense. I don't know. I I just know that that I'm gonna be sad when I see a jumbotron at Wrigley Field. But that's enough of my belly aching. <laughs> I want to actually end this podcast talking about something uh, that I absolutely adored about Wrigley, and that's the tour that they give. So I don't care if you guys are baseball fans, if you're just sports fans in general, if you like history, if you like America, whatever you like, chances are there's going to be something for you if you take a Wrigley Field tour. So if you find yourself in the Midwest, preferably on an off day, come to Wrigley Field when the team's not in town and book yourself uh, one of their group tours because they really do one of the better jobs of any other stadium in the country. It took us about an hour and a half, and I got to actually bring my sister along with me, which you're going to hear more about my sister in the next episode, but for now I'll just say that it was so cool to see the stadium through her eyes. She is someone who is not really a sports fan at all, let alone a baseball fan. Uh, she tolerates it because of her brother and kind of his obsession, but it's not something that she generally goes out of her way to to watch. But, you know, I forget sometimes because I've been doing this for so long that be, getting a chance to be on the field or being in the, the dugouts or the locker rooms or, or, you know, kind of the special areas of these stadiums, this is the first time for my sister that she ever got to sat inside of a major league dugout. And it was, you know, the Cubs dugout, which if she was going to be a baseball fan, obviously she'd be a Tigers fan, but she's been living in Chicago for, for several years. So I think the Cubs are kind of her um, second place team, which that's okay with me. You can have an AL and an NL team. That's all right. But the tour itself was quite spectacular. It was educational. It was fun. It was engaging. They took us throughout the entire ballpark and it's really quite something to see how um, old and nasty their clubhouses are so I will give them that that yes there's a there's a charm to this stadium that that we as fans get to enjoy but if I was a player I would desperately be asking for some type of of improvements to the bowels of the stadium because <laughs> they uh they took us through the uh from, from the visiting clubhouse to the home team's dugout or a clubhouse rather we were walking down the hallway and i just saw this sad lonely washer dryer unit <laughs> and i was like oh you know this must be for the staff for the crew or something like that because there's no way that they're going to be able to wash 25 guys uniforms in that and I was told, no, I, I just walked through the laundry room and it was tiny and disgusting. And so, yeah, I, I, I do empathize with you, the, the Cub player who has to use Wrigley Field as a home. Um, so my complaints are more from the aesthetic point, you know, in the actual stadium itself. If you want to go ahead and gut the, the clubhouses and the locker rooms to, to make sure that's a little bit more up to up to snuff, I, I, I get it. And if that means you know, having to, to change the concourse a little bit because I clearly don't know anything about architecture. I know what a load-bearing beam is, but that's pretty much the extent of my architectural knowledge. Um, so I get that. <laughs> that was quite, uh, I say charming, but realistically kind of sad to see the state of both the visitor and the, the home team clubhouse uh, on the tour. But so yeah, I, I absolutely go to Wrigley, 
if you can't buy a ticket to a game because the games often are sold out and the tickets are quite expensive, do yourself a favor and at least take the tour because it was, you know, thus far, I haven't done a tour at all the stadiums. I've done it at a lot of them, but by far the best one I've been on. So with that, that's going to bring us to the end of another episode. Um, the next one is going to be a really fun one. It's the White Sox. And as I mentioned earlier, I brought someone to the game who had never been to a baseball game before in his life. That is my brother-in-law. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, be sure. You're definitely going to want to listen to that one. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate you listening to this. And um, please go ahead and check out roundingthird.net where you can see write-ups and you can see photos and you can see just a lot more information about my tour. You can follow me at roundingthirdmj on Twitter. That's at roundingthirdmj on Twitter. Uh, please shoot me an email at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. I absolutely love listening to your feedback. Uh, I've been told that I've got some pretty good insight into some of your stadiums. And I've been told that I've gotten some things wrong about some of your stadiums. So please, either one, I love to hear it. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, evening, wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this. I hope you guys are doing well out there. So join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. The home base for the Clubhouse Podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit Bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.